This is the Retirement Detective Podcast, where we dive into cases with Philip Mock, chartered financial analyst and certified financial planner professional, to solve common retirement and financial planning questions. Get insight into how to solve quandaries that appear on the path to and through retirement, ideas on how to approach savings and investing for retirement, and how to plan for retirement in a tax-efficient manner. Now, here's your host and lead retirement detective, Philip Mock. Hi, everyone. It's Philip Mock with the Retirement Detective Podcast. Welcome to today's episode. In today's episode, we will continue our multi-part series on alternative investments by today, examining the first in a series of deep dives on what I believe are some of the more common alternative investment vehicles or types. And what we're going to cover today is real estate. I think real estate is arguably, in my opinion, the most popular alternative asset class outside of regular stocks, regular bonds, and cash. I think I see real estate probably more than anything else. So in today's episode, we'll talk about why you may or may not want to invest in real estate, not necessarily from a timing standpoint of right now, but just in general. And then what are some of the things to look out for? What are the different vehicles through which you could invest in real estate? And what can you expect it to do or not do or add or subtract to your portfolio? And that will all be in today's episode. So let's talk real estate. When we're investing in real estate, we have to further break that down into really one of two basic tracks. We can either own real estate or invest in an equity vehicle that owns real estate, or we're investing in real estate debt, or better known, a mortgage. There are many different types of vehicles out there, different funds, different private partnerships, private funds that allow us to invest in either one, depending on what we're interested in. Some are very liquid and accessible, and some are not. Some are very inexpensive, and some are very expensive to access. Let's talk through the basics along those two first. Let's talk about the debt first. And I think this is a little um, less common of the two, so I want to talk about the debt side First, so we have a little more time to talk about the equity side, which I think is where we see things more popularly. So when we're investing in real estate from the debt side, we're really basically taking on a mortgage and all the things that come with it. So if you put yourself in the shoes of a banker and and maybe you own a home yourself and you've had a mortgage in the past or you have a mortgage now, putting yourself in the shoes of the banker, the banker looks at a mortgage in a couple of different ways. A mortgage is a a cash flow stream back to the bank in terms of the interest payments. It's also a cash flow stream back to the bank of the principal that they borrowed in the first place. So with every mortgage payment for your house, it's the same. If you're buying a giant office building, the mortgage payment consists of principal, interest, and 
perhaps some sort of escrow for um, real estate taxes and insurance. If you're investing in real estate debt, you're effectively becoming a lender. And in exchange for your investment, some portion of that income stream is now being diverted back to you. Now, it comes with a lot of the same risks that bankers experience when they lend for a mortgage. You have the risk of default, which is always the greatest risk when there's any kind of lending, is that the borrower doesn't pay you back, either fully or at all. And that is a risk when you're investing in real estate. That's you know, it's just different. You're you're buying an income stream. There's when you invest in a debt instrument, income is your main priority. Capital appreciation is really not a priority. So if you're investing in real estate debt, you can do so and and that's mainly what you're purchasing. Now, there are a couple of ways to do this. You can do investments in real estate debt publicly and privately. So let's talk about public first. If you're investing in real estate debt in a public market, you are basically investing in what's called a mortgage-backed security. And a lot of people consider this to be more actual fixed income and not actually an alternative investment. But I want to touch on it here since it is so closely tied to real estate. In a nutshell, without whole episode on mortgage-backed securities. A mortgage-backed security is a pool of mortgages that are packaged together and sold out as a security. So imagine that we put a whole bunch of mortgages together and there's a bunch of payments and interest flowing into that pool and you sell a portion of that pool in shares to different people. And so maybe person one owns 10% of the pool, so they get 10% of all of the income, etc. That's obviously there's thousands of shareholders, but just trying to make it simple. So that's basically what a mortgage-backed security is. The nice thing about a mortgage-backed security is it's relatively liquid. It's something you can go out and purchase. You can also go out and try to sell it. You can buy it in a fund format. There are mutual funds and ETFs out there that are mortgage-backed security products that you can invest in and in return get some interest income. Mortgages do well at different times of the market. It's just like being the banker again. Mortgage-backed securities will typically not do well when a lot of the underlying borrowers are in negative financial circumstances, whether it's from recession or a a sharp downturn in the economy that might cause them to not be able to make their mortgage payment. And when they don't make their mortgage payment, they're also not paying you, the investor. They're not paying the fund, which is also not paying you. Now, to the borrower, the person that has that office building or that home somewhere, they just pay the bank. They don't know that they're paying a fund or an investor like you, banks continue to generally do what's called the servicing. So they remain the face of the mortgage, but behind the scenes, it's a very different story. 
often banks don't hold those mortgages on their balance sheet. They do retain the servicing rights and there is some fee income to the bank for doing that, but they generally don't necessarily want to keep the mortgage. So they sell the mortgage to somebody else and there's lots of people that would buy it. But imagine in our scenario here that this fund is going to buy it and how are they going to get the money to buy it? Well, it's from your money as an investor coming into the fund. So an investor puts money into the fund. The fund then buys a bunch of mortgages. The fund gets income from the mortgages and the fund returns that income back out to its investors. That's in a nutshell how it's supposed to work. And if you're doing that in a fund format, you, you really don't have to think about it in terms of having to put up that initial capital outlay the funds are buying public mortgage-backed securities, so they're buying them in the open market, they're selling them in the open market. It has risks, of course, but um, and that's where you'd want to read the prospectus very carefully. Now, on the private side, you can skip the security part and just invest in mortgages directly, and you would do this through some sort of private fund or, or private partnership that takes out the public security element of it. It's a little more direct, uh, which means that you are probably going to have a little higher income, but it also comes with higher risk because you probably have a lot less liquidity and you probably have fewer options in terms of entering and exiting that fund. Availability is another big thing. So if you're interested in buying mortgages in the private market, there are few opportunities to do that. If you want to invest in mortgages in the public market, pretty readily available in a number of different fund formats. Now on the equity side, you're actually buying the property itself. You are an owner through a fund of a property. And this is usually through what's called a REIT, which is a real estate investment trust or a REOC, which is a real estate operating company. They're, the REIT, um, basically is a, an entity. Think of the REIT as an entity. Uh, R-E-I-T is what I'm saying, REIT, which stands for Real Estate Investment Trust. And it's professionally managed. So the advantage of investing in a REIT is that you, as an investor, don't have to figure out how to manage this property yourself. You don't have to collect rent yourself. You don't have to fix the leaky pipes, etc. When you're investing in equity, there are a couple of distinct advantages and disadvantages compared to debt. Now, you usually have higher rate of return potential or the, an expectation for a higher rate of return because there's much more risk as an equity owner. When you're an equity owner and the, the real estate property falls into bankruptcy, equity owners are the very last people to get paid. So if you had invested in the mortgage on the debt side, Lenders are higher than equity owners in the bankruptcy waterfall in most circumstances. So in the event of default, lenders have a higher claim. Equity, you're at the very bottom. And as a result, when you invest in equity, there's an expectation for a higher return because you're taking on more risk. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll get a higher return, but that is the expectation. There's also an expectation when you invest in equity that you would have some sort of appreciation. Recall with debt, you're mainly just collecting the interest. There's not really an expectation of getting any interest 
uh, or any appreciation. You're just expecting interest. When you're an equity owner, you are hoping for some appreciation. And so that's a very different process. You also are expecting income not from interest, but you're expecting income from rental income. So as an owner of a building or maybe an apartment complex or some property like that, you have tenants that pay rent and that serves as income to you and the other equity investors. Now, if you don't wanna own this in a private format, you can also own it in a fund that's like a private fund or a private partnership. And the functionality is pretty similar. There are some, REITs have some, some tax ad advantages, but in a private form, your return potential or expectation is a little higher because the risk is also even higher. It's when it's in a private format, you have nearly no liquidity and you are, uh, you know, through the fund and a direct owner. So let's talk about some of the pros and cons to consider when you're investing in real estate. Now, there are some certain characteristics of real estate that are important to mention. So first, real estate in a private format is very illiquid. You can't just sell a building overnight. You can't divide a building. You So real estate is indivisible and illiquid. And, and therefore, when you invest in private real estate, you really want to make sure that your money's in there for a long time. And they also have certain requirements for these private investment vehicles. They look for investors that have a certain amount of expertise or a certain amount of higher income or higher asset level to make sure that they're choosing investors that can are reasonably assured that they will not need this money for quite some time because it is very difficult to get your money out early. Now, this is in contrast to a publicly traded REIT in an ETF or mutual fund format, very liquid. You can sell that at pretty much any time. Another thing about real estate is it's expensive. The costs to sell real estate are high. The costs to buy real estate are high. It's um, very different from a fund that researches stocks where all of the information is pretty much publicly available and you just have to read it. With a building, you have to go physically inspect it. You have to be there in person. There's title work. There's an actual inspection of all of the the systems inside the building for heat, air, water, fire prevention, etc. And that takes a lot of expense. It involves lawyers and perhaps construction people for renovation and brokers and an appraiser and an inspector and, and all sorts of people. And so therefore, when you're buying real estate, you have to consider that inside the fund, there are transaction costs that are somewhat expensive. The other thing to think about with real estate and really all of the alternative investments that we're going to talk about is price and performance challenges. Real estate is harder to value. There's, you know, the day you buy it or the day you sell it, that that is probably what the value is. But a year after you bought it, it's harder to know what it's worth. You may have made improvements to the building and it might be worth more, but how much more? You won't know until you really sell it again. Same for um, a lot of the other alternatives we'll talk about, but real estate's particularly tricky because if you think about 
a large office building, it might sell only, I don't know, two or three times every 20 years or something like that. Like, it, you know, the turnover is very, very low. The other thing that's challenging with real estate is, you know, if you buy two publicly traded companies, they may do different things, but the structure is the same. You know that a publicly traded company has to meet the same SEC rules for listing and all these sorts of things. And especially if you buy two companies in the same industry, you might be very familiar with how that industry works. With real estate, it's a little more challenging. There are really no two buildings that are alike, no two industrial complexes that are alike, no two apartment complexes are exactly alike. You have so many different variables in terms of the quality of the building, the location, the frontage, um, the extent to which the systems on the inside of the building are updated or not. So it's really challenging to value buildings because they're also different and sales are not readily available. And there are specialized people out there with experience that can value these buildings. And we're not going to talk about that, but it is a challenging space to put a value on, which is why you should understand that if you choose to invest in real estate, you should always keep special watch, keep an eye on the pricing because it is challenging for the managers to really put a number on it. Unless they just sold it or just bought it, there is probably some sort of estimate involved. And anytime you are investing in something where the value is presented to you mostly in the form of estimates, that presents a risk to you. Now, why would you want to deal with all this? What I've described so far is a lot of headache compared to just going and buying a mutual fund or an ETF. Well, Rental income is a really nice income stream by a lot of comparative measures. So um, investors like income in a lot of circumstances and real estate is a good way to earn some income. You as an equity owner also may have some sort of capital appreciation. So in addition to getting income, you may see the value of the property go up either from inflation or from improvements in the area around the properties or improvements in your property itself. As I just mentioned, inflation, real estate typically has been a really good inflation hedge. It's also, and kind of the point of this whole series, it's a good diversifier. It's not exactly equity. It's not exactly fixed income. There are also, in some instances, some tax benefits. So I mentioned REITs earlier have some tax benefits. If they meet the criteria, there are some distribution criteria that REITs have to meet but if they do that, then there's generally not taxation at that entity level, which as an investor means higher income for you because the entity didn't have to pay tax. You end up paying tax on that, but at least it's not taxed twice. Now, the risks are extensive. So when you're investing in real estate, you've got a lot to think about. The number one thing is, especially if you're investing in private real estate, is the risk that it is illiquid, um, hard to value. And you, I think this is a big one. The manager always has a lot more information about what's going on in the fund than you do. When you're buying a publicly traded stock, they have press releases, earnings calls, and you as a regular person out there can go and listen to these things. You can read all of the same documents that fund managers are reading with 
private real estate investment, the managers are at the building, you're not. The managers have talked to the building manager, you have not. The managers have talked to the construction crews, you have not. So there's an information asymmetry there that I think is a bit of a risk. The other thing to consider when you're investing really in any type of fund, but I think it's especially important in the alternative space, is that when you're investing, you're really investing in the management team. So another factor to consider when you're investing in private or public real estate is what is the quality of this management team? What is their experience? What is their track record? Because you're giving this fund money. It's you and a whole bunch of other, other investors have pooled money together for this team of managers to go out and buy a whole bunch of properties. And you want them to do a good job. And you hope that they would do a better job than you would. But ultimately, it's kind of like, imagine investing in a sports team. A lot of what you're investing in is the coach and the training staff and maybe some of the key players. And a real estate fund is similar. You're investing in the managers, the people with boots on the ground, and also some of their top performing properties. In general, you should also look for a few things to make sure you're, you're making a wise investment. You always want to be diversified. So whether it's in a public form or a private, you want to make sure that um, any real estate fund you invest in is diversified in a number of different ways. You typically want to look for diversification in terms of geography, diversification in terms of property type, you know, maybe some commercial, some residential, some industrial, diversification in terms of size. So maybe, you know, a few larger properties, but also a smattering of many smaller ones. Ultimately, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket in any investing scenario. So if you're looking at a fund and fund A invests in three properties and fund B invests in 500, to me, fund B is a little more attractive because they've spread their risk. They could have one of those properties go bankrupt and you still have 499 that are going to perform well, hopefully. Whereas option A, if one of those goes bankrupt, your return on that investment has been dramatically impacted because it is so concentrated. Now, real estate has an important role in the portfolio. It um, is similar to stocks in that you have some income and appreciation potential, just like with a stock. Um, but it's just different. It's not, it's not exactly like a stock and it's not exactly like a bond, even though whether you're investing on the debt side or the equity side, there are a lot of characteristics shared there. They're just not quite the same. And this brings us back to the episode a few episodes ago about correlation. And anytime you have two assets in a portfolio that are not perfectly correlated, the hope would be that the volatility would be reduced by having those two things together with hopefully not quite as much reduction in potential return. So what I'm saying is if you have a three investment portfolio, you own a stock, a bond, and a piece of real estate. Now I would like to point out that investing in real estate certainly has a lot of risks and we talked about those, but I just want to reiterate that when you invest in real estate, 
you're either investing in a pool of buildings or properties, either in a public or private fund, or you're investing in a pool of debt. And there are lots of risks associated with those. And no matter which of those vehicles you're looking at, you should have the availability to look at some subscription documents, maybe a prospectus, to try to understand the risks of what you're looking at. So I really encourage you to do your homework. I think for many people, these may not be the right things to invest in because they're, they're much more complicated than regular stocks and bonds. Um, you have, especially with private vehicles, all of the liquidity risks that I'm afraid a lot of people there out there may not truly understand. So if you're considering one of these things, I strongly suggest that you speak to an advisor, to your accountant, and to your attorney to make sure that a private investment in real estate is appropriate for you. And if you're looking at a public real estate investment like a REIT or uh, a fund, uh, ETF or mutual fund, you may still want to talk to your accountant and your advisor to make sure that that's a good idea for you and your portfolio and your goals. Keep in mind, while real estate does offer some great diversification benefits, the goal of building a portfolio should always be to meet whatever your goals are. That's more important, in my opinion, than beating a benchmark or you know having great returns to brag to your friends about. Ultimately, you have a set of goals and you want to achieve them. And some of what we talked about today might be a way to help you do that, but also might be a way to put those goals at greater risk if these are not appropriate for you. And I obviously don't know you and can't tell you if real estate is appropriate for you or not, I just wanted to set you up today with some of the basic building blocks for you to be able to understand it if you ever have the opportunity to consider it. So be sure to talk to your trusted professionals on your team before you consider any of these things we've talked about today. And I hope you found it to be informative. In our next episode, we'll touch on another type of alternative investment and take another deep dive. Looking forward to it. Take care. This recording strictly is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of the Retirement Detective Podcast. The Retirement Detective Podcast is not affiliated with any guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. The Retirement Detective Podcast does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. The Retirement Detective Podcast shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decisions. This podcast is not a solicitation to purchase or sell securities or a solicitation for advisory services. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services, and nothing in this podcast should be relied upon as rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services. Philip Mock is not a detective or law enforcement officer, and any reference to such is for entertainment purposes only.